0: As teammates Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah prepare to face off in the AFCON final, me and Rory are happy to announce we will be fighting to the death on our live stream, Sunday night, after the game of course. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Tommaso and as always I'm joined by my good friend and co-host,
1: me, Rory, it's me again, how are you Tommy, how are we doing?
0: I'm doing great. Shall we? show we unveil the secret? This is a first time in the Anglo Italian Pod history. We are recording on a Friday morning, yeah. so <laughs> by the time you are hearing our voices, the difference is about uh, four hours. I want to say this is a first in the history of
1: our podcast. How are you feeling? Good morning, bud uh good morning mate um if if we do sound like we're still waking up it's because we're still waking up i've got my green tea so you might notice my energy levels rising as the record goes along but it feels good i was like i woke up this morning i was like ah i get to record now like rather than waking up and being like i've got to go to a town miles away from milan to teach it feels quite. it feels better it feels better
0: Yeah, it feels good. I don't know. Last night, of course, uh, last night on Thursday, we could not record because the second of the AFCON semifinals was unfolding. So we had to watch that. We just decided since we both had a free morning to record on a Friday. We are going, of course, to cover, our, um, to cover the two semifinals of the AFCON to preview the final. And then we're going to quickly jump on our blimp and go to South America and North America to take a look at the World Cup qualifiers. And finally, Rory is going to preview the FA Cup weekend in England. And I'm going to be telling you a little bit about Salernitana's incredible transfer window. Will that be enough for Salernitana not to be relegated, and then of course the Milan derby, which Ooh. I can't wait for on Saturday night at 6 p.m. But first, I just want to say a little something. Uh, my friend Reed from Minneapolis asked me to go on a little rant about the festival of Italian music, also known as Sanremo. Now, Rory, were you familiar with this before you came to Italy?
1: Not before I came to Italy, but our listeners may be familiar with it. As last year, we were talking about how Zlatan uh, had decided to host it, right? So we talked about it briefly last year. I think it's something that's quite cute. It's quite like cheesy and over the top, but it's very Italian and everybody watches it. And I think it's not my kind of thing, but kind kind of like Eurovision, it's not designed for me but I get how people are into it. But also I watched it last night and the music in general was pretty terrible. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of
0: people argue including Reed's wife, who of course is Italian, they argue that it's a, a big Italian tradition, but yeah, and it brings all of Italy together but the sound of the music, it's so mainstream, it's like a bunch of pop music, there is no... But it
1: has to be it's a mainstream show, it's prime time like on Rai Uno, right? It can't be like alternative trap and like... It no, 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 be... <laughs> I, I, at least not. I, I,
0: I think it would be cuter if it was, you know, regional Italian music and everyone region kind of brings like their sound to the to the stage but, i like that look,
1: idea but i'm gonna skip napoli's uh entry if that's okay <laughs> i'm gonna skip the neapolitan entry i'm actually i'm actually
0: getting quite into uh neapolitan funky music and uh, oh, napoli is yeah. pretty big with uh funky music it all started with the great and the late pino daniele what up Bud, who is a symbol to the city of Naples, passed, out of, uh, passed away sorry, a few years ago. Um, but the thing that I wanted to say is the way, what I can't stand is the way the Italian media talk about Sanremo, right. and who would have ever imagined that this deadly pandemic that we're going through could be stopped only by two things, the election of the president of the Italian Republic, which the Italian people have no saying in, and then the Sanremo festival. If you look at the Italian newspapers, there is no other news than Sanremo, the president of the Republic, the elections, which is an 85-year-old man who already did a mandate.
1: Yeah, it's and... the same guy, by the way, guys. It's the same guy.
0: This guy <laughs> is going to die while serving as the president of the Italian Republic just because they couldn't figure out another one to elect. And it then feels Sanremo... quite
1: Roman that, though. It feels like you know Julius Caesar. It feels quite like traditional, right?
0: And then just the Sanremo, people, it's everywhere. You walk in class, uh, you know, we're teachers, you walk in class and it's just like, hey, teacher, did you watch, hey, prof, did you watch Sanremo last night? No, I couldn't care less. And then you go <laughs> online with your older students, 40-year-olds people who work in finance, and they're like, did you watch Sanremo last night? No, I could not give a single
1: <laughs> Maybe fuck. you're missing out, Tommy. Maybe you're missing out. It seems like everybody else is into it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And my students are starting to think that I'm a party pooper. I told them that I don't like Christmas. Now that I don't like Sanremo. I don't know what they, what they think about <laughs> me anymore. But yeah, I just wanted to go on this little rant for our friend Reed from Minneapolis. But of course, this is also the penultimate episode of our AFCON coverage. Of course, we are going to live stream the final senegal egypt on sunday night and then then rory uh i'm telling you this right now i think that on monday night we should give out awards for the afcon best goalkeeper best forward best player overall what do you think
1: I like it. I like it. We can do a bit of an admin meeting on air. I was thinking of compiling a kind of best moments of the competition and stuff as well. So there you go, guys. A little peek behind the curtain. This is as organized as we are. But yeah, Monday, we can do that, definitely. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I think that's another, a good
0: idea. Another sneak peek. I think we should give the award to the worst penalty shot during the AFCON. And last night, oh. there were two, at least two contenders, one especially.
1: They were pretty terrible. They were pretty terrible. Ah, Mohamed Salah didn't even get a chance to take his. Um, again, proving my thing about I don't like him waiting for the fifth penalty. Get in there. Get it done. Get it done early.
0: And also, just before we jump on our blimp to cross the Mediterranean and land in Yunde in Cameroon, I just wanted to say that with a strong interbias, I am so happy that the final is going to be <laughs> Sadio Mane against Mohamed Salah. Yes, let's go. These two guys are going to come back to England with no muscular power on their legs, hopefully.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, we'll get into it again, but Egypt have played a lot of extra time as well. I do feel quite bad for for their players in general. Last night, they looked absolutely dead. But before we get into it, um, I want to very quickly do a little Arsenal bit. Obviously, Aubameyang has left to go to uh, Barcelona, which is fine. I'm quite happy that he's gone. Um, Thank you for the memories, Oba great striker for two years, genuinely an outstanding um, goal record, 163 appearances. I want to say 92 goals, 23 assists. Unbelievable for two years, dog shit for the last two. And now obviously he's sniping at Arteta and saying he was the problem. Um, I don't know. I think a player that's fallen out with play, with people at every club he's played at, maybe he's the problem and not the manager. But I just want to say thank you to Ober. Best of luck in Barcelona. He's probably going to score a hat-trick of goals, make us look foolish now. But ultimately, I'm pretty happy that he's gone. We can move on. Gabriel Martinelli up front. Let's go.
0: Let's jump on the blimp, Rory. It's time to cover the AFCON semis. Is it inflated? It's ready.
1: Let's go. And here we are finally now. Now, Tommy, we can start talking about the Afghan semi-finals. We are in Yaoundé, and they were two very different semi-finals. One I enjoyed, and one I didn't as, enjoy as much. Which one do you want to start with? The enjoyable one or the not enjoyable one?
0: Let's start in chronological order with the enjoyable one. The funny thing. About this, one, good. The funny thing about the semi-final is that I got to watch only the first half, in which there were no goals scored, and then <laughs> next thing you know, in the second half, they managed to put five, four in the back of the net in forty-five minutes. I feel like the overall feeling is that the stronger team won at mm-hmm. the end. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think this was like the as we were talking about with senegal like they were scoring one goal then they scored two goals then they scored three goals and we could just see them kind of slowly warming up and improving. Burkina Faso this just felt like this was like one step too far. This felt like the end of their tournament and ultimately it was. The game was a bit mad. It was very hectic. It was played at a very high pace. Um especially Speaking in the no first half. Not red, no probably. red cards, no red cards. Um, the, in the especially in the first half, there was a bit of mad goalkeeping from Kofi, who has been overall a very good keeper for Burkina Faso throughout the tournament. He came out and absolutely clattered one of the um Senegalese strikers. Really, really bad goalkeeping. It took a long time to check the player was okay. Then ultimately, the goalkeeper was taken off injured. Originally, a penalty was given. Now, I don't know if you saw this decision, but I think the referee did really well because at first. It was an elbow. Well, the keeper came out to punch the ball, right? And at first, it looked like he got nowhere near the ball and just took the defender. He did just get the ball. He got the ball second, but he did get the ball, as well as nearly killing uh, the striker even, sorry. Um, But I think the ref did really well to overturn the VAR decision. I think overall, the ref had quite a good game. He was the referee in... One of the games that had a mad amount of red cards. Um, The game escapes me now, where he was a bit scattergun with it. You know the game where there was 16 yellow cards? I think that was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But this game, he was a bit calmer. I think his decisions were a lot better. But ultimately, the penalty was overturned. Kofi was taken off injured. And then, as you said, the second half was where it all kicked off.
0: Um, and there, there was another, I feel like there was another penalty call from Senegal, but the Burkina Faso defender touched it with his elbow. And so also in that case, very good refereeing, in my opinion.
1: No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it hit the back of his arm, didn't it? And it was like, but his arm was against his body. There was nothing he could do about it. Yes, very good again. And then Senegal, just with a quick one-two, looked like they'd taken the game away from Burkina Faso, actually. But the first goal, I don't know if you clock this, the assist was an overhead kick from Koulibaly. Yeah, and
0: also the control from uh, the goal scorer Diallo was Mm -hmm. very good. I mean, he kind of like stopped the ball mid-air and then just like slammed it in the net. But yeah, Koulibaly almost scoring a bicycle kick goal. Uh yeah the, I think that the game was lost by Burkina Faso's defense because if mm-hmm. you look at all of the Senegal goals there is something to be said about the Burkina Faso defenders especially in the second one they just gave the ball away
1: Well I was looking at the statistics it was saying that um they lost Burkina Faso lost possession in their own half 31 times and in central midfield 44 times. Now, compared to Senegal, they lost it 24 times in their own half and 36 in midfield. But the problem was that Senegal managed to turn these into creating chances. Like, Senegal had 18 shots. Uh, Burkina Faso only managed to get 10. Um, And I feel like, yeah, Burkina Faso just kept shooting themselves in the foot, kept shooting themselves in the foot, and in that second goal especially. But the work from Marnie is outstanding. For him to just keep hassling that defender, keep hassling, keep hassling, keep hassling, knowing that he's going to slip up, just puts the ball across for the for the player to knock in. It's 2-0. It looks like it's game over. But then, Bikina Faso, we have been impressed with him throughout the tournament. And Torre with actually a really nice finish, like from kind of the edge of the area. But did, I feel like he touched it with his knee. I feel like
0: the touch came off his knee. I just re-watched oh, really? it I thought he just like we... hit it. Like... No, no, no. I, I feel like it was a pretty lucky goal. I mean, he has a beautiful run inside the box, mm-hmm. but then he kind of like just accidentally touches it with his knee. And okay, it it. I'll have to
1: take another look at it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing
0: nothing to do for Eduard Mendy, who's been a very good goalkeeper throughout mm-hmm. the tournament. Let's remember, this is only the second goal that Senegal have conceded throughout the tournament. And I am especially happy for the swaggest manager in world oh. football, Ali Cisse. You caught the drip this time. I saw there was, <laughs> there was something on Twitter going on, right?
1: Yeah, that full white tracksuit with the matching mask. The guy looked, and he looked stressed. Like, he's been, despite Senegal... Like we've said, they've been quite slow in the tournament, but they are improving. He's under quite a lot of pressure. After they lost the final last time, um, They um, there was word that if they didn't reach the final or if they don't win, he could lose his job. And you could see him a little bit. He was like, the pressure was getting to him. When Senegal did score that first goal, he didn't even really celebrate. He just turned around and kind of looked really relieved. Um, But he looked cool throughout. He did look incredibly cool. Those dreadlocks just look sick as well. I've got a lot of time for that.
0: um, One thing that I want to say is that if Senegal do win the final, Ali Cissé is going down in Senegalese history for good. Um, He was in the side, in the um, Korea 2002 side that Mm -hmm. defeated France, uh, the world champions at the time, in the opening game of the tournament. And right now he could be the leader uh, to take uh, Senegal all the way to their first ever AFCON title, which would be sick. But if we don't have anything else to say about
1: this game, oh, we, we do, we do. Sadio we Mane's do. beautiful goal at the end. Oh, we yeah, we can't yeah, leave yeah. out. So, uh, it was 2 1. The game, it looked like Burkina Faso were back in it, and then Senegal beat Burkina Faso at their own game, caught them on the break. What we've seen, Bikino, what we've seen the Burkina do so many times catch teams on the break. Uh, Senegal managed to do it, and the chip from Mane is absolutely delicious. Um And this is a player, again, that I think is kind of growing into the tournament. And we'll get into it in the final. But between him and Salah across this tournament, I've been much more impressed by Mane. And I think Mane has had much more of an impact than Salah has. So I think that's quite an interesting moment there. So that means Mane scored in the last three games for Senegal, last two games for Senegal, I want to say. So he's really kind of been key for them. Um, And it was just a beautiful, beautiful goal. But it did ultimately mean that the game was over. Burkina Faso are out, but I don't think it will be the last we we will see of them. I think we could see them qualify for a World Cup soon with this um, with this generation of players. I think they really do have a great squad there. Again, only getting better, only getting into their prime. I think we could see them at, maybe not Qatar, but where's the one after that? Mexico and Canada? Is it that one? I can't remember.
0: Mexico, United States. United yeah. States. Like, um, yeah, it's two goals in the last three games for Sané, three in the tournament overall. And he's going to be facing his Liverpool teammate, Mohamed Salah, in the final. A much different game, this one. We were kind of chatting last night on WhatsApp as the game was unfolding. It kind of started as a pretty exciting game. And then it just was the players looked pretty dead by the time, overtime came around but let's go step by step what did you think of the
1: first half i think the first half was really interesting is that the right word i don't know it was one-way traffic really senegal were absolutely dominating it egypt only really had one or cameroon rory i know i've done it again cameroon i've done it again listeners every time i told you this is a genuine problem right cameroon absolutely dominated um the first half i had quite a few chances maybe should have scored one egypt really weren't offering much um and it there wasn't really most of the drama was just on the on the sideline with carlos queiros who, who had decided to just lose his mind for 90 minutes and it's something that he's been doing throughout the tournament really he's just like remonstrating on the sideline and kind of making a bit of a scene of himself um and I was thinking about why he might be doing this. And I think that he could be under pressure in his job and he wants to show that he's like, look, look, at this is how much I care. This is how much I'm doing. I'm like, and I think it just seems a little bit much. In the second half, he would ultimately be sent off, as would his coach. In what was all pretty embarrassing scenes, he was claiming that a Cameroon player had punched one of the Egyptian players. that definitely hadn't happened. Like It was really, really weird. So most of the drama was on the sideline. But in the second half, I feel like it started really well. The second half, it was like two teams trying to play football, both trying to get the win. Then as the game went on, they both kind of went, okay, let's just take penalties. And it got really, really cagey towards the end. What did you think?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. One of the one thing that you made me notice that I really appreciated once again with a very strong interbias is the performance by Onana. He didn't start the tournament in great shape. I was a little worried with that first game. Um that sorry for the noise in the background. It's my cat, it's going a bit mad. Um he didn't start the tournament very well, but yesterday he actually had a few good saves and also great distribution with his feet. Mm-hmm throughout the entire game. Um, It was kind of difficult until the end to know who was going to win this game. And Egypt, towards the very end, they went close a few times. Uh, I really like that play by Salah, who just dribbled past a few defenders on the right wing. And then Mm -hmm. he just looks in the middle, there are 10 Egyptian players in the box. He just like hammers the ball in and they all manage to miss it to be beyond the line of the ball and there you really see the despair in the egyptian bench but i think that the highlight of the game is the cameroonian penalties um well before we get there i wanted to
1: focus on two players so there was Two players that kind of had an almost a war of words before the game. So Abubakar was asked about Salah and he said, Salah doesn't really impress me. I'm an honest guy. If he'd impress me, I'd tell you, but I don't think he impresses me. Now, it was quite interesting. A lot of people were like, oh, what is Salah going to do? Well, he didn't do a lot. I was looking at his game. Eight of his 22 passes were off target. He had no successful dribbles, two shots, which were both off target and didn't have any key passes. But then if you think Abubakar's one, he didn't have a single shot across the 90 minutes. So both play well, the 120 minutes. So both players kind of a little bit anonymous in this game. And I think this is where Cameroon really fell apart because they relied so much on Abubakar and Akambi. Both of them were, as I said, pretty anonymous. Akambi had two shots on target, I think, and they were his only two shots um that's where the game was lost for Cameroon and then for Egypt Salah again I just don't think he's really the semi-final he was key like he set up the goal in extra time but I feel like this is another game where he can have disappeared a little bit or he wasn't able to influence it as much as he should have done um and then he didn't even take one of the penalties so we finally get to penalties Tommy and tell us about what were your first impressions of the takers how they did it what happened
0: Well, the first penalty was uh, scored by Abubakar, who finally got a saying in the battle with Salah. Um, And as you said, however, Salah didn't take his, so we will never know who is the Mm -hmm. coolest one of the two. Then uh, a beautiful penalty, Egypt, you said it uh, while we were chatting on WhatsApp. You were like, if it goes to penalties, Egypt are going to win, because Mm -hmm. the last time around, they looked uh, perfect on it. First penalty scored by Zizo, and then Mukudi. Uh, for Cameroon, just a very weak penalty oh, to the right awful. of the goalkeeper who just has to barely dive and save it. But the second one, um, the second one from uh, Cameroon was absolutely awful. Um, the one to the right of the goalkeeper. I've, I, Off the top of my head, I've rarely seen a penalty go that far out to the side of the goal. What do you think?
1: It was a terrible one. It was the third one, right? Clinton and oh, G. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Clinton, third one. Gia, yeah, yeah. But, the, Tommy, there's one reason why he did this. Guess which club we, who are famous for bottling big occasions he used to play for. Is it Tottenham Hotspur? It <laughs> is Tottenham. He's an ex-Tottenham player. Why would you send a Tottenham player to take up a crucial penalty? Cameroon, you need to learn this lesson. That is why you've lost the game. Also, I think it's like for a player who... He came on, I think, late on in the game, almost exclusively to take a penalty, or he came on in extra time. A two-step shuffle kind of stutter penalty is quite a ballsy move, um, and it really, really did not pay off. But for the Egypt keeper, now this guy, so the Egyptians have been really unlucky with their keepers. They lost their first choice. Then during this game, they nearly lost their second choice, so they were almost down to their third choice. But their second choice keeper has now... He saved two penalties and made a few saves across the game that have been absolutely crucial to them this guy has like stepped up since he came into the tournament granted one of the saves the first one really wasn't that difficult i almost dare say that I could have saved that penalty. Um it was so close to the penalty to the keeper on the right. If you pick the right side you save that penalty, right? It was yeah. so bad. Um but the keeper did really really well and yeah, I'm glad I was right. Egypt those those five penalties against Ivory Coast were all so inch perfect. I was like if they if they go to penalties they're not going to lose to anyone on penalties. They were flawless.
0: And the uh, video clip I just saw this morning on Instagram emerged. I want to say because it's a uh, the Sadio Mane new at the very beginning. So I want to say that this was a clip shot at the beginning of the tournament, in which um, uh, Sadio Mane says, uh, I've got two te- two great teammates and two good friends uh, in this competition, Nabi Keita and Mohamed Salah. Uh, I can't play both in the final, but I want to say that I'm going to see Mohamed in the final and Senegal are going to win 1-0. So he predicted it. We'll see if he actually is better at predicting scores than the Anglo-Italian pod. But hats off to Rory, who didn't guess the exact Thank results, but you. did say Thank that the final you. would be Senegal against Egypt, and they did go very near the correct result for uh, Senegal Burkina Faso. I said the three two, and in the end, close three one. Yeah,
1: got close. Well, I, the reason is I feel like Egypt—they're kind of like Real Madrid in the Champions League, right? No matter no. how bad Real Madrid are or what state they're in, or who their manager is, you always think in the back of your head, they could still win the Champions League. They could still win it. You would never write them off. And I feel like Egypt in the AFCON is kind of the same thing. You're like, no matter how they're playing, what they're doing, you're like, they could still get this. They could still win it. And I would honestly not be surprised in the slightest if they win on Sunday. They've done this by scoring four goals in normal time. They've got, in the whole tournament, they've scored four goals. They've got to the final. Like, if anything, it's efficient. Like, well played. Um, and one player I wanted to shout out, because I think he's a player who, uh, obviously, he's an Arsenal player. So, I'm going to talk about Elneny. I think he, Arsenal is not a key player at all. And I feel like play, people get very Uh, including myself, get frustrated with him because he's not a particularly forward-thinking player. He's not like very dynamic. But I feel like in this Egypt team, he's such an important player within that midfield. He just keeps the midfield rolling, keeps the ball rolling. His passing last night was outstanding. He was all over the park. He was everywhere. And I just feel like he's a player for Egypt that is so key and doesn't really get the plaudits he deserves. So I just wanted to give Mo a quick shout out and not that Mo. Because I feel like he's just had a really, really good game last night and in general a very good tournament. Um, which makes me question if Arteta can actually get a player out of him at some point. But he was outstanding last night. I feel
0: like you yelled at him quite a bit in the past, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He passes backwards a lot. Backwards and sideways a lot, but for Egypt, it seems to work. <laughs> it seems to be really, really help them. And it also it's just frustrating. Um, but yeah, I thought he was outstanding last night. And despite everything I said about Mo Salah, would you really be surprised if he turned up in the final now? If you know what I mean, like he could just be waiting and then just get a hat trick on Sunday. Like you don't know. Um, it, but it should I, be a good final. What do you think, Tommy?
0: I just hope it goes to overtime with my strong interbias. Yeah. Um <laughs> No, I think it's going to be a good final. Before the final, though, remember that tomorrow night, there is going to be, on Saturday night at 8 p.m. Central European time, there is going to be the final for the third and fourth spot. Burkina Faso, Cameroon. Cameroon, at least, trying to get a bronze medal. They are the hosts of the tournament. um, And I think they they will really put all of their uh, grit in this game. What do you think? I,
1: I have to say one of my least favorite things about football is third, fourth place playoffs. I think they are absolutely pointless. Nobody gives a shit. The players don't give a shit. They just want to go home. They've lost. I just think I absolutely hate them. Did they do it for the European Championship this summer? Um, No. But I get the feeling they did it for the World Cup in 2006 because I remember watching that Portugal-France game being like, this is a com- not Portugal-France, Portugal-Germany, wasn't it? Germany, yeah, this yeah. This is yeah. a complete waste of time. I think they're honestly like the most tedious things in the world. Oh, well, if there are... If there are medals
0: involved at that point, there is a gold, there is a silver, and there is a bronze. So I don't know, but yeah, the, the excitement is not there anymore, really.
1: I feel but... like the players just don't want to be there. Eh? Like, there's no player who's like, oh, third, fourth place playoff tomorrow. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's just. And then they did one for the Nations League. I was like, guys, please, third, fourth place playoff in Nations League. This has to stop.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So on a Sunday night, we are going to be covering the final, just like we did for the uh, UEFA Champions League last year, in Manchester City, Chelsea. I'm going to be backing Senegal since I have their kit. Rory has a bunch of red kits. He'll be supporting Egypt. You will have to just like create an Egyptian logo and just stick it over it yeah i was gonna say don't worry
1: i'm (laughs) i'm not gonna go all newcastle united and turn up with like a tea towel on my head i will figure out something a bit more tasteful (laughs) on how to support egypt Uh, (laughs) worry if you want to
0: do it i do do have when my sister lives in the united arab emirates and for my birthday she gifted me the um, she gifted me the basically the um, arab um, how do you call it i don't even know what's the name i
1: don't know what the official word is so i'm just gonna say headdress
0: the well, not only I, I've got the entire thing, man, the entire why I'm not uh, do,
1: that, that's lovely and it's a great gift, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right this will sound terrible it would sound like uh, cultural appropriation big time but i did it in the past and it was a pretty funny halloween costume i dressed up uh for halloween which is also my don't tell me black top, tommy
1: don't tell no, me no, no, black no, black no 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 <laughs> but
0: i put i put the i don't know the official name i put that red thing over my head with the headband around it and okay. i was all I was all dressed in white, and I had an inter scarf, and I pretended to be an Arab who had just purchased the inter. Jesus! <laughs> it was a pretty good Halloween costume, I have to say. My sister, <laughs> my, my sister, gifted it for me since she lives in Abu Dhabi. Uh, but Rory, let's just go for a red kit with a with an Egyptian yeah, flag. I'll figure right? it
1: out. I'll figure it out. The
0: game is going to be on Sunday at 8 p.m. Central European time. You will be able to catch us on YouTube and Twitch live. Please tell your friends. We had quite a few interactions on in May when we covered the Champions League mm-hmm. final. We would love it to be the same. We're going to be online from 7.30 p.m. to kind of go through the, the lineups and whatnot. We're very excited about it. Senegal, Egypt. What do you expect from this final?
1: I don't know what to expect. I feel like both these um, teams have had dull games. They've both had exciting games. Um, Their head-to-head is quite close. Uh, They've played each other 12 times. Egypt have won six. They've drawn two. And Senegal have won four. They've not played since 2014 in AFCON qualifying, but Senegal won both those games twice, 2-0 and 1-0. And the last time they played in AFCON, was in 2006 semi-final, Egypt won 2-1, and it was, of course, the first of their three in a row. So, they've not played each other for a very long time. Um, if we look at the two teams and how they've played, I think Senegal are definitely going to be the more more the anti- the protagonist Sorry, in this game. I feel like they are going to try and they're going to be like on the front foot, whereas Egypt will just wait, wait, wait for their chance. Um, but like I said, I feel like there's a certain inevitability about Egypt, um but i think senegal are going to kind of be the more proactive team what do you think
0: i just think that senegal have got to win this game um they have come close to winning the title quite a few times they've never won it they are an outstanding uh, football factory and the fact that they still don't have an afcon title i think uh, it's uh, it's not fair so i think that this time around especially uh, now that such a historical uh, footballer is their manager he's managed to take them for the to the final for the second time in a row this time around they really cannot miss and they will put hopefully they don't get overly excited uh and they don't expose themselves too much but i think that uh, senegal are going to be the more attacking team of the two also let's not forget that egypt uh, come from two straight overtimes plus penalties That's 240 minutes of football. Salah has played all of those minutes. So I think that Senegal are definitely the fresher side in this matchup. Um, I'm going to back Senegal. And I'm going to say that they're going to win. It's time for the wrong predictions only. I'm going to say that they're going to win this game 2-1. And they're going to be crowned African champions. Rory, wrong prediction?
1: I'm going to stick with Egypt. I'm going to say Egypt win on penalties. I think it's going to be full AFCON style traditional they win 15-14 on penalties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is the average of penalties that is taken in a in, a, in an AFCON final. Well, uh, the next morning, I have work quite early, so hopefully it doesn't go on that long. <laughs> but for the sake of the Inter-Liverpool matchup, I strongly hope it goes to overtime. Um, yeah, man, I cannot wait for that game at the San Siro Champions League night, round of 16. It's, it's, it's starting to build up. It's getting close. The, that Champions League feeling is starting to build up. Anything to add uh, about the AFCON, Rory?
1: No, I think we will leave it all to be said on Sunday.
0: Sunday night, guys. Remember to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Our Instagram is at Anglo Italian Pod. Our Twitter is at Italian Anglo Make sure uh, you. We, we're going to repost where you can find us on uh, the Twitch and the YouTube, but it's pretty mm-hmm. much if you type the Anglo Italian Pod. You should find us, subscribe, and then make sure that you tune in on Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. Central European Time. Rory, time to inflate the blimp after this quick trip to Africa. And uh, I think we're going to the Americas. We're going to cross the ocean right away.
1: This is going to take some
0: time. But let's do it. And all of a sudden, it got chilly. We're getting off the blimp, and we are in North America. United States, you say? Wrong. We are north of the United States, specifically in Canada. Rory, I know you're very excited about this. What's going on for the maple leaves?
1: There is a power shift in North America currently happening. And we happening. love it.
0: We love it. We I. love it
1: regular (laughs) listeners will know that i do have quite a lot of schadenfreude when it comes towards our american cousins and for there to be another team that is kind of stealing their limelight and making them look quite foolish i am enjoying it so this started of course in the game was in hamilton in, in canada right it looked bloody freezing um, I had a lot of time for the goalkeeper, the Canadian goalkeeper playing in joggers, um, looking like he just got out of bed. A lot of time for that, but this was the game where Canada beat the USA two 0 and really, I thought the 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 differences in quality were like blinding. It was insane. So Canada were this. Really well-coached team that make it very difficult for you to play, very difficult for you to break them down. But on the break, they are really, really dangerous. Both their goals came from the break. Um, Kyle Larin, he's now Canada's all-time top goal scorer, got his 23rd goal for the country at the time to put the USA 1-0 up. But from that goal, I need to talk quickly about the goalkeeper for America. Now, obviously, the conditions weren't fantastic. But this uh, this keeper, sorry, Matt worry. Turner... Sorry,
0: sorry the language, the goalkeeper for the United States. America... Oh, sorry, yeah, continent. I'm going to upset everyone else, right? Big big continent.
1: For the United States, thank you, Tommy. Uh, for the United States, he's obviously signed for Arsenal this week, right? So I was like, okay, let's see what this guy's about. And the first thing I see from him is he takes a goal kick kicks it straight to the Canadian midfielder for him to play in Kyle Larin, who puts the ball straight past And I was like, okay, so that's who we've signed Okay, interesting uh, interesting recruitment there. Um, now, obviously, I think the wins did have a little bit to do with it, but it was still pretty terrible goalkeeping. But nevertheless, Canada were 1-0 up. And the rest of the game, it felt like America really... USA... I'm going to have to correct myself every single time. Um, it felt like the USA were just... Really slow, unimaginative, and Canada could just stand there and wait for them to tire themselves out, really. And towards the end, the USA was starting to push, starting to have a few more chances. But then, of course, Canada catch them on the break. A fantastic break from, I want to get the defender's name right. It's U... I, I, don't,
0: I don't know I'm to it Ad- No, no, no. Kugbe? Is it him?
1: Ade Kugbe. There we go. At Kugbe, base, I apologize. Um, it was a, a great little bit of dribbling to get past the midfielder. 95th minute, puts it into the net, and the crowd go wild. Now, the most irritating thing, I thought there was nothing more irritating than a commentator from the United States, but the commentator from Canada was incredibly irritating. It's like he was trying to do uh, an impersonation of a Mexican commentator, but in English. Um, And it was honestly, the highlights were like 20 minutes long. And I was really sick of him by the end of it. I was like, this guy just screaming Canada for a minute is quite annoying. <laughs> like, did, did, did he it say, doesn't quite he say, have the same charm as like... Did he say Spanish. thank
0: you and sorry at the end of every Canada? <laughs> thank sorry. Canada! Thank you. Sorry, <laughs>
1: sorry, sorry. United States. 2-0 <laughs> We apologize. <We're>
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> but the best commentator for this game was not even in Canada. I want to say he was in Germany. Did mm-hmm. you see Alfonso Davies absolutely <laughs> fucking losing it? That was incredible. One of the most loved men in today's football, Alfonso Davies, live streaming from his apartment in uh, Munich, I want to say.
1: absolutely uh, This is the best thing. Canada beat the US whilst their best player was live streaming it. Their best player wasn't even playing. And they beat them 2-0. It was incredible. And I feel like I've got a pretty um, hot take for you here, Tommy. I'm going to say Canada are obviously going to qualify for the World Cup. They've done Mm it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that they get out of their group in the World Cup. I'm going to say they get into the knock- knockout rounds of the World Cup in Qatar. I think I they're see. going to, depending on the group, obviously, but I think they will qualify for the knockout rounds. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people when they get to Qatar.
0: I think that if the United States, uh, they are pretty much done with the qualification rounds. They have, well, they've got to play Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica. So Mm -hmm. they need a few more points to qualify. But I want to say that both Canada and the United States are going to have a good World Cup in Qatar. Um, But yeah, Canada. I feel like the
1: US are in quite a bad way. I feel like they're not getting... I was looking at the top scorers across the CONCACAF qualifying, right? Um, so four of the top five goal scorers in the qualifying are Canadian, right? So you've got Larry on 12, Jonathan David on 9, Cavallini on 5, and Davies on 5, right? The highest for the US is Ricardo Pepe on 3, and the next is Anthony Robinson on 2, who's a left-back. It's like they're not getting the most out of that front line. Like Pulisic, we can talk about how he's not enjoying this football in the Premier League. He's not starting. Tuchel doesn't really seem to like him. I don't know if like he needs a fresh start. I still don't really know how good Pulisic is. Like I feel like I've seen flashes of him but I've never been really like blown away by him, of like, oh, th- this is this great player. I feel like they're just not getting the most out of that front line. Like McKenney scored for them in their last game. Who is a player I think who gets a lot of sticking in, in uh, Italy, but I don't think he's that bad. But no, I feel like they're just like they're not like- getting the most out of the talent they've got. And I know that the coach Greg Bearhalter, I want to say, is getting you know he's under quite a bit of pressure now because I worry about what shape they'll be in when they get to the World Cup. I think they could have a disappointing World Cup if they stay play in this way. We shall see. But another thing
0: that we need to talk about in North America is the game that the United States played against Honduras and won 3-0 in Saint Paul, Minnesota, a place that I know quite well. And one characteristic about this place it get is that it gets fucking unbelievably cold in the winter. Now, I just checked it online. The average temperature in Honduras is 23 degrees throughout the year. We're talking Celsius, guys, not fucking And it doesn't
1: change. Yes, we're doing the normal temperatures, not Calvary. Yeah,
0: we're doing the the temperature (laughs) where at zero degrees, water freezes, and at 100 (laughs) degrees, water boils. You know, fucking simple. But the average temperature in Honduras is 23 degrees, and in St. Paul, they were playing with below 20 degrees Celsius. And the perceived temperature was even lower than that. Two Honduran Honduran players were subbed off after the first half with the symptoms of hypothermia. And I don't know, it's not like the United States is only Minnesota. They could have played in fucking Arizona or in Florida Mm -hmm. or in California. And they would have made it, I don't know, more, I don't know, more more impartial. But playing with below 20 degrees, I want to say, I was watching highlights, and I feel like the American goalkeeper had that sort of um, quarterback pocket. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... Honduras, I want to say it's not the the, the the most equipped the football federation in the world. And how do you get a hold of these things? Everybody was playing with the the, the goalkeeper was playing the sorry the referee was ref was working with a with a face mask on. Christ. And uh, yeah, the, at a point the the Honduras goalkeeper got shot the ball on his face and just oh my god. At below twenty degrees, how oh heavy God. that ball must feel! It's be man. Be like
1: a cannonball. That's gonna be horrific. But you know, I can still hear my PE teacher from high school going, "It's not cold. If you run enough, you'll be warm." I can still hear it, even though it's minus twenty. Just run more, guys. You'll be fine. Like... No,
0: it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that, especially for a goalkeeper. Imagine all oh the times God. that you're just waiting there for the ball to come your way, and you're—I don't know—what are you doing? Jumping jacks the whole time to warm yourself up? Um, I think that was a little bit unfair, but this leaves Canada first in the standings at 25 points, United States second at 21, Mexico third on even points with the United States at 21, and then we've got Panama at 17 and Costa Rica at 16. Nothing to do, unfortunately, for El Salvador, Jamaica, and Honduras.
1: Well, the 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 promising thing for Panama is obviously they're only four points behind. I think they play both the USA and Mexico, so they can there's still the opportunity there for there to be a a, a kind of switch around. Uh, no, they play they play Canada and they play America, Honduras, so United so,
0: States, yeah. and Canada. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, so there's still a chance for them to turn it around, but it does look like those top three will qualify. Now it's just for Canada, really. If they can qualify unbeaten, that is amazing. That would be an amazing achievement. The Canada have still got to play the Canada. Uh, Canada has still got to play Costa Rica, Jamaica at home, and Panama away. So they could could be able to do it. Looking in great shape for Qatar. I just think this story of like the emergence of Canadian football is amazing. Like their their league kind of was made professional last year and it was like a new canadian league created i feel like we're seeing a new nation appear on the on the football map and i'm all here for it
0: let's move with our blimp not sure what our blimp sounds like but let's go to south america (laughs) and talking about incredible conditions where to play football we are going to bolivia to their capital La Paz, um, at 3,640 meters. That's the equivalent of the third highest mountain in Europe, uh, which is the Grossklochner in the Alps in Austria at 3,798. Now, imagine playing football at that altitude There is a standout name in the game that Bolivia played against Chile, and it's one of the pod's favorites. It's Alexis Sanchez, ladies and gentlemen. The Chilean top goal scorer scored a brace in one of the most difficult stadiums to play in in the world. And in the last 20 days, Alexis Sanchez scored the winning goal for Inter Milan against Juve. He scored and assisted in the remontada that Inter had against Empoli in the Coppa Italia. And then he scored two goals, one of which a beautiful rocket from a free kick against Mm -hmm. Bolivia to give Chile some lifeline in the South American qualifiers, which I think is one of the most unfair things in the football because it's just a lot of very good teams. So yeah. Brazil and Argentina are the only undefeated teams. Um, 12 wins and three draws for Brazil, 10 wins and five draws for Argentina. Uh, Argentina have won their last game against Colombia with a goal for from Lautaro Martinez. So the oh. Inter-Internationals looking very good during this break. Ecuador, our third, at 25 points. Uruguay, our fourth, at 22. And then it's Peru, fifth on 21. Chile, sixth on 19. And then Colombia at 17. Bolivia at 15. It's going to be a bit of a dogfight. And the unfortunate thing for Chile is that their next two games during the March international break, are going to be against Brazil and Uruguay. So definitely not an easy ending for my friend, the Chileans, who started this qualification in a terrible, terrible way, losing three games and drawing one. Then they won three in a row. A loss came against Ecuador. A draw came, um, sorry, another win A loss came against Argentina, and now they've just won against Bolivia. Is it too late for the Chileans to qualify? You guys know, if you're customary listeners of the podcast, that I have a soft spot for this country that hosted me for approximately two months when I was going solo across South America, and I strongly hope that they can qualify. But it's going to be a dogfight between Uruguay, Peru, Chile, and Colombia. Is it only me, Rory, or there is a certain charm about Chile?
1: I, I love Chile ever since Alexis Sanchez, really. I feel like that team in 2000 and uh, 2010 World Cup or 2014? The one in Brazil, right? 2014. They were amazing. Um, That team that they came... Now, who was it? They hit the crossbar against Brazil in the extra time. I want to say they came so close to knocking them out. Um, was it Vargas? Yeah, maybe it was Vargas, or was it Santa Cruz? No, wait, Santa Cruz was Paraguayan, right? Yeah, maybe it was Vargas, but I feel like that 2014 team were amazing. Ever since Chile, I've had a really, really good generation, like Vidal, Sanchez, etc. cetera. I think, like you said, the Com- the Commonwealth qualifying is like crazy competitive, and it's only like there's always going to be a big team that misses out. Like there's only 10 teams in it, right? <laughs> there's always going to be a big team that misses out. Um, Uruguay have done really well because they look like they were in trouble, but they sacked Oscar Tabares and they brought in ex-striker Diego Alonso. They've won both games since they appointed him. So it looks like they've kind of turned it around a little bit. Um, Peru always kind of flatter to deceive. I still think, I still feel like Chile will make it, especially with Sanchez in such good form.
0: Peru's last two games are against Uruguay and Paraguay, who are penultimate in the standings. So I think there is a win there. We -hmm. should see Ecuador has been very, very impressive. Um, However, they have drawn their last three games 1-1. But one of the draws came against a Brazil side that is looking extremely in shape. Now, I don't know if you saw the four goals that they scored against Paraguay. Again, mm-hmm. not the best of oppositions. They came from Rafinha, Coutinho, Anthony, and Rodrigo. But all of them were absolute jewels, as we would yeah. say in
1: Italian. They are looking genuinely scary. And their their defence, they've only conceded five goals in 15 games, scoring 32. Like This is a team that is looking in shape. And I think, for once, it feels like a while since Brazil have gone into a World Cup as like Genuine contenders and not kind of outsiders. If you know what I mean, I feel like the last World Cup people thought, oh, Brazil could win it because it's Brazil, but nobody really expected them to win it. I feel like in Qatar, you could be like, okay, Brazil genuinely could actually be the favorites this time.
0: We shall see, but it's time to take the blimp. <laughs> re-inflated and cross the ocean again let's go to jolly good England once again we've been in Africa Canada United States South America the temperature keeps changing I'm
1: tired guys let's
0: go let's go to rainy England where we're lining up for one game in the Premier League but especially for quite an exciting FA Cup weekend never forget the oldest football competition in the world
1: now, last year, I kept forgetting the FA Cup because Arsenal got knocked out of it really early, I think. So I was like, oh, sod it. This year, I'm actually going to cover the FA Cup. And this weekend, we do have some pretty big games. Um, it all kicks off tonight. Yes, tonight, listeners. Not tonight as you know it. Tonight as we all know it, we have Middlesbrough taking on Manchester United in what I think could be one of the like biggest banana skins of the round. Um, this kicks off at... 9 o'clock Central European time. It's at Old Trafford. Middlesbrough are kind of... They're really chasing for the playoffs in the championship. Now headed by ex-Sheffield United manager Chris Wilder. He's transformed them. They're looking a lot more kind of... um, Just a lot better, really. They've got uh, Balogun on loan from Arsenal. So I'm hoping he can score against United. But I think this could be one of the games to really keep an eye on. Again, tonight at 9 o'clock. Then tomorrow, kind of the the fa cup pissed round of the game of the round we have kidderminster harriers hosting west ham that kicks off at half past one kidderminster of course knocked out reading 2-1 in the last round west ham will be desperate to not be one of the um stories of the round kidderminster all the way down in the vanarama north so that is four divisions below the premier league Fingers crossed for an upset. Sorry, Tom. And the other games of the round, we have Chelsea hosting Plymouth, uh, League One Plymouth. Plymouth beat Birmingham 1-0 in the last round. Again, Chelsea will be looking to avoid any headlines. That is also tomorrow at half past one. Then, a game that I think isn't really going to get much attention, but I think it should, this is on Sunday at 5 o'clock. We have a bit of a Midlands derby. Nottingham Forest taking on Leicester City. These are two teams that really do not like each other. They've not played each other for quite a while with Forest not being in the Premier League since I was a small child and Leicester being in the Premier League for quite a long time. I thought this could be a really, really proper FA Cup tie, full-blooded tackles, drama, goals nottingham forest of course knocked out arsenal in the last round so they could be looking for their second scalp of the tournament um so those are the games that i think are worth keeping an eye out on this weekend but it is all fa cup this weekend and in the premier league there is one game it is burnley taking on watford in a relegation point six pointer
0: we kind of reviewed already, uh, previewed, sorry, Serie A weekend uh, on Monday night, but I'm going to go through the games again, and then I'm going to focus on the standout one, which is the Milan Derby. It all kicks off at 3 p.m., Tomorrow, on Saturday, with Roma taking on Genoa, and I said it, and I will say it again, I think that Roma are going to have a very good second half of the season with, uh, I think, Maitland-Niles is also a oh. great loan move. Mate, for he's Marie. so
1: good. People are going to discover how good he is. I'm gutted he's not still at Arsenal, honestly. Honestly. <laughs>
0: Roma taking on Genoa, uh, Inter AC Milan at 6pm and then at 8.45 Fiorentina Lazio, who could also be an interesting game. New look Fiorentina without Vlaovic. Oh my god, I saw a clip. uh, Our friend Leroy sent me a clip of Vlaovic listing his favorite artists and it's the cheapest Italian trap music you could ever find. Yeah, and he's got a voice like this. I don't know. It's a kind of a funny guy. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, then on a Sunday, he sounds like Gerard a little bit. Okay. I never. Uh-huh. I will never forget the first time that I heard Gerard speak on a microphone, and I was just like, "Wait, he's got that voice for real? Like one of the deadliest outside of the box shooters of all time? He kind of speaks with a pitch like this?" That was quite pretty a high
1: voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Then on Sunday, we've got Atalanta-Cagliari at 12.30 p.m. Atalanta have got a lot of players out injured. We shall see what they're able to do against one of the worst teams in Serie A this season. Bologna-Empoli at 3 p.m. together with Sampdoria-Sassuolo and Venezia-Napoli. 6 p.m. on Sunday, Udinese-Torino. And at 8.45, you take to stake on Hellas-Verona. And it all wraps up on on Monday night with salernitana taking on Spezia. Now, the big game, of course, is the Milan Derby. Inter Milan currently leading Serie A with 53 points. Napoli and AC Milan are trailing at 49, but the Nerazzurri have got one game in hand. Now, if Inter were to win this game, it would possibly be the end of the
1: league. (laughs) Touch all the words you can find.
0: You can hear it. There you go. Yeah. Uh I'm touching Goldwood, I can find Rory. How many wins for Inter Milan over the last ten Serie A derbies?
1: Now I think I know the number for Milan, so I'm gonna try and guess the number for Inter. Oh, I don't know. Eleven?
0: No, over the ten. Over the past ten.
1: <laughs> oh, over the past ten. Sorry, over, right? Over the past ten. Oh, I think I can do my math. Six. Very
0: good. Six wins for Inter Milan, one for AC Milan and the three draws, one of which was the last game that they played, Lautaro Martinez, missing the penalty to give Inter Milan the three points. So, yeah, if we look at the history of the head to head, Inter Milan uh, are the strongest team over the past few years. And I feel like uh, they've kind of shown that they still are. Let's not forget that in the last uh, three Serie A games, AC Milan won one against uh, Venezia lost against the Spezia in quite a clownish fashion, and the Drew against the Juventus nil-nil in one of the most boring mm-hmm. AC Milan Juventus games in history. Now, uh, Inter Milan, of course, cannot rely on uh, the new purchase, Gouzens, since he's out injured. Uh, I'm going to take a look at what other players will not be available Uh Correa for Inter Milan, and then Tomori Kiair, who is out for the rest of the season, and Ibrahimović, but also uh, Ballo, I want to say, yes, because he plays for Senegal and is involved in the Africa Cup of Nations final. Now, I said it before, I'll say it again, I think that if Inter Milan get four points between the game against AC Milan and Napoli, the league might as well be over. I have strong feelings about this game. We've already said how much Inter have been impressive despite the departure of Antonio Conte, Akraf Hakimi, um, Romelu Lukaku, and let's not forget Christian Eriksen. Good luck Mm -hmm. at Brentford. Um, But yeah, I'm feeling very confident about this game, but it's going to be a hard-fought one. Make sure you don't miss it at 6 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday. Of course, I'm talking Central European time. And then, before we say goodbye to you listeners, I just wanted to cover a little bit what has happened at Salernitana over the the transfer window. Because uh, they've appointed uh, Walter Sabatini as -hmm. their sporting director. Definitely one of the best sporting directors in the game. He said I have never been relegated ever in my career, and I'm here to make sure that doesn't happen this time around with Salernitana. Salernitana, if we look at their new lineup, there are as many as uh, little music playing in the background. Chicky, 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 chicky. There are as many as three, six, eight new players (laughs) in their starting lineup. So Sepe in goal, you might remember him from Lazio, Fazio in defense you will remember him from uh, uh, Roma then we've got Draguzin on the right wing and then at the at midfield Mazzocchi Bohinen Ederson and up front Verdi and Musset. but let's not forget that there are also Ribery and Juric ready to come on from the bench and it's, they signed uh, Diego Perotti, right? And they signed Diego Perotti. I was going to get there. What do you Sorry, think about yeah, Diego yeah, Perotti yeah. without considering his awful uh, neck tattoo?
1: Yeah, the, the possibly the worst football tattoo, I'm going to say. But if there are any um, Premier League fans from the 90s and they thought, did I just hear the surname Bahinan? Yes, it is the son of ex-Nottingham Forest legend Lars Bahinan. Um, he's now signed for Senegal, so, uh, for Senegal, my God, I can't get them out of my head, for Salernitana. Um, so any 90s football fans of the Premier League, check out Lars and son.
0: And uh, it, However, there is no time to lose for Salernitana because if they want to survive in Serie A, after all the shambles that they've been through on and off the pitch, we already talked about their ownership problems, well, it kicks off right away because they got to win the game against the Spezia on Monday night. And then on Sunday, February 13th, they take on Genoa. So this is definitely a great opportunity to bag six points and try and peek out of the relegation zone. They are currently sitting in the last position with only 10 points out of 66 available, <laughs> 53 goals conceded. And 14 scored. Let that sink in. Is there not enough number? Numbers, three wins, two draws and 17 losses. So if they want to survive, it kicks off right away. They need to win the game against Spezia and then the one against Genoa, who are also in the dogfight, not to be relegated. But in case I haven't said it before, I will say it now. I feel like Genoa, for their own sake, they deserve to be relegated. Mm -hmm. Just like go to Serie B for one year, start off fresh, come back with a more solid team and then have your saying in Serie A. And that's I feel about like it. the same
1: count. I feel like the same counts for Calory. But I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, Selenitana stay up. I'm gonna say they make some massive, great escape, and they stay up on the last day by like not goal difference by one. There's no way they're changing that goal difference, but they'll stay up by like one point.
0: You've got, you've got your uh, Salernitana kit, right?
1: it it, it fit me when I was eight years old. I don't know if it will still fit me, but I can try and squeeze it on.
0: Rory, anything more to add before we send off our listeners with our customary quote?
1: No, I think that's it. I think that's it. Just join us on Sunday for the AFCON final. I'm kind of sad that the AFCON's coming to an end. I've really, really enjoyed the coverage. I've genuinely enjoyed it. Um, I think we're going to try and do it for the next AFCON. I want it to become a regular thing. I really, really enjoyed it. It should be a great final. Join us on Sunday. We promise not to be too inebriated. Just a little bit.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. I was thinking if there is any African drink, any African, I don't know. I was thinking if... We're going to because- have to
1: research. Any any suggestions, guys? Just hit us up on Twitter. I don't know any African cocktails or what they... Um, what- the, yeah. what traditional drinks are? I have no idea. I have yeah, no idea. That, definitely, You there can hear no... my ignorance. You can yeah. hear me trying to hide my ignorance. But one
0: thing we know is that definitely there are no Egyptian cocktails or no, Senegalese cocktails. That's because I, uh, also Senegal, I think the vast majority of the country is Muslim. So probably no alcoholic drinks. Water is. No, is? I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that one. But ladies and gentlemen, we are going to send you off this time around with our customary quote. And this time it comes from the great Adriano. He was live on Bobo TV. Uh man, Bobo TV, by the way. We should learn great. a thing or two from them and how they market themselves on Twitch because they I was reading an article that says that basically all the Italian football TV shows are really suffering from the popularity <laughs> of Christian Vieri's Twitch streams, uh, alongside, of course. Cassano, uh, Lele Adani, and Nicola Ventola. Nicola Ventola, do you remember Ventola?
1: <laughs> I remember the name. I don't really remember Ventola, much about his career. Ventola obviously. played
0: for a long time at Inter Milan. And uh, he's just funny because the other three are, especially Cassano, they're so, and the Lele Adani, they, they are not afraid to share their opinion. To say, there are no strong powers controlling this show. We say whatever we want. We say the things as they are. Juventus play. It's not even football. What sport is that? And then Nicola Ventola doesn't say anything. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, hai ragione. Vero. Vero. Yes. Yeah, no, I ragione. Hai ragione. You're right. You're right. But the great Adriano Leite de Ribeiro was uh, came on live to discuss a few things. Ronaldo also did. Yeah, um, I saw that.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, get ready. This is the end of the episode. Inter can definitely win the Scudetto this year. And with the right commitment and passion they can also be crowned champions of Europe. Oh, you love to hear it. <laughs> Talk to you on Sunday night. We're going to be live on YouTube and Twitch. Thank you for listening, guys, and have a great weekend full of football.